but he was determined to live. The good thing, his body's not here, but he still lives. And I'm very happy, proud, and pleased to have played a part in making that come true. Merle Evers, 50 years ago today, June 12, 1963. Her husband, the civil rights leader Medgar Evers, 37 years old, was assassinated in his driveway in Jackson, Mississippi. That does it for our broadcast. Democracy Now! is produced by Mike Burke, Renee Felsar, and Mate, Steve Martinez, Sam Malkoff, Hani Masood, Robbie Karen, Dina Goes, Jeremy Littlefield, Martinez, Torres, Denima Allen. Special thanks to Julie Crosby, Becca Staley, Hugh Grand, Jessica Lee. I'm Amy Goodman with Nermin Sheikh. Thanks for joining us. Play the tune again. Not watching your fingering, but forgetting. Letting flow the sound till it surrounds you. Do not count or even think. Let go. This is Uncle Ruthie Buell. On Saturday, June 15th at 8 a.m., Halfway Down the Stairs will present a live concert featuring talented young musicians from the prestigious Colburn School here in Los Angeles. Ranging in age from 6 to 16 and performing on a variety of instruments, these talented young artists will thrill you with their skill and dedication as you listen to their amazing music and learn about their lives and their dreams. That's Saturday, June 15th at 8 a.m. on Halfway Down the Stairs. Heard live right here on KPFK Los Angeles. Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott, today. With a vote of 82 to 15, the U.S. Senate voted on Tuesday to begin debate on immigration reform. President Obama says it is a compromise that, quote, nobody's going to get everything they want, end of quote. He also said the bill has the tightest border control provisions in U.S. history. We get reactions from Kamal Esaheb, a staff attorney with the National Immigration Law Center, Alfredo Gutierrez, a former Arizona state senator and author of To Sin Against Hope, How America Has Failed Its Immigrants, A Personal Story, and Antonio Gonzalez with the William C. Velasquez Institute, Gabby Pacheco, a key figure in the movement of dreamers, and Isabel Garcia with Arizona-based Coalición de Derechos Humanos. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Eileen Alfandari. Senators will question the head of the National Security Agency today after this week's disclosures of a massive phone and Internet surveillance dragnet. Republican House Speaker John Boehner called the former National Security Agency contractor who disclosed the spy program a traitor. He's a traitor. The disclosure of this information uh, puts Americans at risk. Uh, It shows... uh, Uh, our adversaries, what our capabilities are, and uh, it's a giant violation of the law. California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein has agreed calling Edward Snowden's disclosures an act of treason, but other lawmakers expressed uneasiness over the wide scope of the secret program. Republican Tim Murphy said after a briefing, more details need to come out. Democrat Steve Cohen said Congress has found itself a little bit asleep at the wheel. The White House has said that an investigation is underway into the leak. It has refused to discuss its scope. Privacy rights advocates said the government has gone too far. The ACLU and its New York chapter filed separate lawsuits charging the surveillance program violates First Amendment rights to free speech and free association, as well as the Fourth Amendment right to privacy. Senators have voted to begin debate on a sweeping immigration reform bill. By a lopsided vote of 82 to 15, the Senate cleared the way for the long-anticipated debate that could extend through the month. President Obama urged passage, calling it the best chance in years to fix the nation's broken immigration system. 
Obama was flanked at the White House by frequently warring interests who have endorsed the Senate legislation, including leaders of business and labor. Obama said the bill would be good for the economy. One in four high-tech startups in America were founded by immigrants. 40% of Fortune 500 companies were started by first- or second-generation American. Think about that. Almost half. In the Senate, Republicans quickly offered amendments to significantly change or possibly kill the measure. Republican Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa introduced a plan requiring the Obama administration to certify effective control over the entire southern border for a period of six months before any of the 11 million undocumented residents in the U.S. could begin applying for legal status. Republican Mark Rubio of Florida, who supports the legislation, rebutted the claims of some fellow Republicans that the bill amounts to amnesty for the undocumented. This bill says come forward and you're going to have to undergo a background check for national security, a background check for crimes. You're going to have to pay a fine. You're going to have to pay um, an application fee. You're going to have to get gainfully employed and start paying taxes. And you're not going to qualify for any federal benefits. No Obamacare, no food stamps, no welfare, nothing. And that's all you're going to be able to have for 10 years. Rubio added that immigrants in the legalization pipeline would have to repeat the checks and fees six years after their initial application was approved to ensure they still qualified. Turkish President Abdullah Gul urged dialogue with what he called legitimate demonstrators against the redevelopment of an Istanbul park. But Gul said those who had taken to the streets in violent protests were a different matter. The Turkish president spoke a day after riot police fired rubber-coated steel bullets, tear gas, and water cannon almost without a break for more than 18 hours to chase thousands of people from Taksim Square. The governor promised not to make a move against Gersey Park, but for nearly eight to ten hours the police have been attacking, even in the park and without the provocateurs from the morning. This is brutal. Turkish Prime Minister Erdogan was to hold talks with protest leaders, but it wasn't clear whether the dialogue would happen today or who would take part. Some environmental leaders said they would not participate because of the environment of violence police had created. Thousands of Russian opposition activists marched through Moscow today denouncing President Vladimir Putin's authoritarian rule and calling for the release of political prisoners. The March on Russia Day, a national holiday, was to show support for more than two dozen people arrested after a protest turned violent on the eve of Putin's inauguration more than a year ago. Sixteen of the defendants have remained in jail pending trial on charges that could send them to prison for up to 10 years. Meteorologists are warning that a gigantic line of powerful thunderstorms is likely to threaten 20% of U.S. residents. The storm system packing tree-toppling winds is forecast to rumble later today from Iowa to Maryland. The National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center said the storms are likely to produce tornadoes, dangerous lightning, and large hail. Power outages are likely to be followed by oppressive heat. Cities at risk include Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Chicago, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Detroit, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Ohio, and Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Eileen Alfandera. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. With a vote of 82 to 15, the U.S. Senate voted on Tuesday to begin debate on immigration reform. The fact that legislation is under consideration at all is a result of years of a large and active movement of immigrants' rights supporters, including groups of young people, the so-named Dreamers, who were brought to the United States at a young age. All 15 votes against the motion were Republicans. President Obama says it is a compromise that, quote, nobody's going to get everything they want. He also said the bill has the tightest border control provisions in U.S. history. The bill is a product of the work of this bipartisan so-named Gang of Eight in the U.S. Senate, including Marco Rubio of Florida, John McCain of Arizona, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Jeff Flake of Arizona, Chuck 
Chuck Schumer of New York, Robert Menendez of New Jersey, Michael Bennett of Colorado, and Dick Durbin of Illinois. On the House side, Congressman Xavier Becerra, a Democrat from California, announced yesterday that a bipartisan group in the House is preparing a House bill to be released in the next week or two. As it stands now, the bill would create a difficult path to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants. This is one of the most contentious aspects of the legislation and is being challenged by conservatives in both the House and the Senate. There's fear among supporters of the bill of a real possibility of the path to citizenship being removed from the final language of the bill. Additionally, the bill stresses increasing security and border control. Already thousands of lives are lost by those who increasingly take the difficult and life-threatening routes to enter the United States. Also, the bill would implement the E-Verify system, which is a way of ensuring employers don't hire undocumented workers. And there would be a long and expensive process for the path for citizenship, making it prohibitive for many. So what is the reaction to the legislation from a broad cross-section of immigrants' rights supporters? We spend the hour getting reaction to the legislation now under consideration on Capitol Hill, as well as the historic context of the immigration debate. Let's start out uh, hearing from what some of President Obama had to say yesterday. This bill would provide a pathway to earned citizenship for the 11 million individuals who are in this country illegally. So that pathway is arduous. You've got to pass background checks. You've got to learn English. You've got to pay taxes and a penalty. And then you've got to go to the back of the line behind everybody who's done things the right way and have tried to come here legally. So this won't be a quick process. It'll take at least 13 years before the vast majority of these individuals are able to even apply for citizenship. So this is no cakewalk. But it's the only way we can make sure that everyone who's here is playing by the same rules as ordinary families, paying taxes and getting their own health insurance. That's why for immigration reform to work, it must be clear from the outset that there is a pathway to citizenship. If we're asking everybody to play by the same rules, you've got to give people a sense of certainty that they go through all these sacrifices, do all this, that there's, at the end of the horizon, the opportunity, not the guarantee, but the opportunity to be part of this American family. And by the way, a majority of Americans support this idea. All righty, that was President Obama surrounded by a number of people uh, supporting the legislation that is um, now open for debate in the U.S. Senate. I'd like to welcome our first guest, Alfredo Gutierrez, a former Arizona state senator and author of the memoir, To Sin Against Hope, How America Has Failed Its Immigrants, A Personal Story. The book recounts Gutierrez's career in politics and activism and takes a critical eye towards the immigration policies of President Barack Obama. Alfredo Gutierrez, we're very happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Um, now, in your your family history, um, very um, not an unusual. Your father, a U.S. citizen, was deported uh, to Mexico. Um, hopefully we have gotten that right. And. Right. Um, that you, the, it, this really inspired you to become an activist and eventually ending up in electoral uh, politics. So what we want to do is to rely on you to tell us, uh, uh, contextualize this discussion a bit for us that's happening now on immigration reform, because we have been around this block a few times. Well, it's, it's, it is, we have indeed been around this block a few times, and it's important to recognize that that much of uh, Arizona's, uh, rather America's immigration history, is is really race based. The Chinese Exclusion Acts, the the early the early acts against immigrants in the in the in the 20s, were aimed specifically at uh, at Southern Europeans uh, uh, who were thought to be uh, ignorant, swarthy, uh, and, uh, and and of color, if you will. And we're talking about Italians and Greeks, etc. And they were intended to keep Jews out as well. Uh, Asians were clearly not welcome. But throughout this period, 
Latin America had uh, had no quota. There was no quota in Latin Americans until uh, until 1965, when uh, when uh, the Bracero program, which is highly controversial, but it allowed uh, uh, close to 300,000 persons to come in to work annually. But the Bracero program went away, and and, and the first imposition of uh, of a quota came about. And in that instance. In that instance, it's 1965, and then a quota was specifically applied on Mexico in 1975. In that instance, that's how illegal immigration was created, because, frankly, people moved backwards and forwards across that border through 1975. But the eugenics movement had been uh, uh, trying for years to get that imposition, and they succeeded. And so since 1975, we've had this argument of... Uh, of, of illegal immigrants, Mexico has had the same quota, has the same quota today, as uh, Liechtenstein, for example, Andorra, Togo. I mean, it simply makes no sense. It's an irrational immigration policy, but it's an irrational immigration policy that's historically been based on race. What we now have today in this debate is, uh, is, uh, is uh, uh, semantically cloaked uh, debate, but ultimately we know what's going on. Uh, the bill calls for substantially more uh, security on the southern border, where coincidentally Mexicans happen to be. 24-hour-a-day drone, 24-hour-an-hour, uh, uh, seven-day-a-week drone capacity over over the Mexican border. One would think, of course, that we are uh, 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 East Germany facing West Germany. It it it. Uh, it expresses itself very clearly against that southern border and against those folks who cross that southern border. And if you listen to, to the nativists who, who have hijacked, unfortunately, this debate on the right, uh, it clearly still is a question of um, certain people not having the intellectual capacity, uh, the moral rigidity to be true Americans witness. Uh, uh, the Heritage Report just recently, which indicates that, or explicitly states that if that if uh, uh, immigrants are allowed in, they will become economically dependent upon this country. They simply not have the capacity, as has every other immigrant, to go forward economically. Uh, and they've chosen that sort of economic model simply based on the fact that they concluded that Hispanics, who are overwhelmingly, and Mexicans, who are overwhelmingly the immigrants who are going to be allowed in by this bill, uh, are incapable of, uh, of uh, bettering themselves in any fashion. Right. And uh, of course, um, in just the, the few minutes we have left, you know, we are also, Alfredo Gutierrez, going to have you back because I know you are rich with history and, and context of, about all of this. And we're getting reaction from a number of people on today's show. But um, quickly um, tell us in, in terms of, of the history, we know that in, in the past there have been these quota laws and quota programs. And then uh, you also write about Madison Grant's uh, book, The Passing of the Great Race, um, published way back in 1916. And, and from what you're saying, we're still suffering from uh, some of the, the, the thinking that went into Madison Grant's work. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the rhetoric has changed slightly. It's, it's, it's much more sophisticated today. But Madison Grant was an extraordinarily influential person, a friend of Teddy Roosevelt's. Uh, a friend of William Howard Taft's uh, influenced the, the legislation of 1922 and 24 uh, that limited Southern European um, uh, immigration into this country. He also, by the way, was a major figure in, uh, in, in sterilization laws across this country to make sure that certain immigrants, uh, you know, immigrants of color, obviously, would be sterilized. Mm. Um, he was called by the, his book, by the way, The Passing, was called by Adolf Hitler, uh, quote, my Bible, unquote. Uh, he he uh, inspired the eugenic movements in the United States. Uh, and that movement is still alive today. I, I mentioned to you the Pioneer Fund. The Pioneer Fund was fi- founded in, uh, in, in the height of this eugenics movement craze, 1938 or so, by uh, adherents of, of, uh, of Madison Grant's and the eugenics movement. 
And it was, uh, one would think, had gone away, but in fact it was a key player in adopting uh, Proposition 187 in California. It, it, it was a key yeah. funder of the, of, the, of, of the campaign for Proposition uh, 187. It was, a, key, it was a, a founder of the organizations today, or a participating in the founding of the organizations today, who lead uh, the anti-immigrant movement, FAIR, um, uh, uh, Numbers USA, uh, the Center for Immigration Rights, were all founded uh, by a, a singular person, John Tanton, and part of this uh, this eugenics movement funded by the uh, Pioneer Fund. So it lives on today. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the Heritage Report, again, I'm, I mention it because I think it is a direct descendant, as was uh, Murray Bell's book, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Murray's book, uh, The Bell Curve, uh, direct descendants of uh, of uh, uh, the eugenics movement in this country. Right. Well, on that note, I'm sorry to say we are going to have to leave it there, Alfredo Gutierrez, but we'll have you back uh, very, very soon, and, and we want to continue this discussion. Thank you so very much for joining Excellent. us. Excellent. Thank you. Bye-bye. Alfredo Gutierrez, former Arizona state senator and author of the forthcoming memoir, To Sin Against Hope, How America Has Failed Its Immigrants, A Personal Story. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and we're spending the hour discussing immigration, immigration reform. Of course, the Senate uh, voted just uh, yesterday to open the debate on the immigration bill put forward by the so-named Gang of Eight. Our next guest I'd like to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Kamal Esaheb. He is the immigration policy attorney for the National Immigrant Law Center based in Washington, D.C. Kamal, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Kamal's work uh, focused on the passage of the DREAM Act, implementation of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or the DACA program, that uh, controversial program that President Obama uh, implemented, and as well as state and local enforcement of immigration law. So, Kamal, it's open for debate right now. Uh, the Gang of Eight um, got 82 votes, 15 Republicans against it. Um, a lot of problems. Even President Obama has said that the bill is a compromise and nobody's going to get everything they want. Uh, your reaction to the bill? Well, we're we're excited that um, debate has has you know opened on this bill. Um, you know, the, the, the bill has been out there for about two months now, and it's been open to a lot of scrutiny. Uh, there was a, you know, a broad and open debate uh, in committee, uh, you know, where over 300 amendments were filed and over 100 were actually uh, voted on. So we're very happy with the way the process uh, has gone uh, so far. It's been an open and transparent process. Uh, there have been serious efforts to improve the bill uh, by some senators. Um, but I think, you know, we, all, we saw in committee and we're going to see on the floor there'll be some attempts to kill the bill. Um, you know, these veiled attempts to, quote-unquote, improve border security, which are really nothing more than uh, attempts to torpedo the entire process. So, you know, we'll be monitoring the amendments very carefully and, you know, trying to, you know, inform um, inform folks that look to us for information, inform them about, you know, what these amendments do and, you know, which ones are... Uh, good for low-income immigrants, uh, which ones are good for immigration reform, and which ones are meant to uh, end the entire process. Right. So given the bill as it stands right now, are you supporting it and and the organization, the National Immigration Law Center, uh, supporting it in its entirety, or are there some problematic aspects from your point of view within the bill that you would hope to impact or remove? Well, we there, there are some things in the bill that we like, and there are some some things in the bill uh, that we we don't like. Uh, you know, we like the fact that there is a path to citizenship. Here for uh, the undocumented, uh, we're not especially happy with what that path looks like. We think that there are a lot of roadblocks in that path. Um, you know, these fines and fees that individuals have to pay along the way 
Uh, these are really onerous fines for, for low-income immigrants. I mean, we're talking about uh, before somebody gets citizenship, they have to apply at least four times with immigration. They have to pay four series of fines, uh, four, seri- you know, four, four sets of fees, uh, three sets of fines, and um, the earliest they can get citizenship is is 13 years down the road. Uh, how, mu- how much money are we talking about, by the way? I mean, if you count all that up, approximately. Well, uh, let me lay it out for you. <laughs> uh, so initially, we're talking about uh, a $500 fine uh, plus a, an application fee, which is not determined by the bill. That's going to be set by DHS. Mm. Let's say that's about $500. Uh, we're talking about five years down the road, another $500 fine and another uh, uh, application fee of, let's say, $500. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, 10 years down the road, uh, a fine of $1,000, and then an application fee also of over $1,000. And then three years after that, we're talking about a citizenship application fee, uh, which is now $680, which is going to be higher um at that point, and that's for every single family member. So that that's getting so, close to five thousand dollars, right there. Right, and mm-hmm. then you multiply that by by family members. Although there are provisions in the bill that allow for combined applications, but generally, you know, you multiply that by family members, and and then you you factor in that most people, you know, we're talking about low income immigrants who've been, you know, largely working in the shadows. Who you know, these are huge sums of money for them. Um, and on top of that, you know, the bill does some, you know, has some um, serious restrictions about safety net access for immigrants, uh, people in this transitional 10-year uh, status, this RPI status, uh, are barred from uh, access to uh, ACA uh, tax credits. They're uh, barred from all sorts of safety net programs. So we're really talking about uh, people who are, you know, we know are, you know, come from low-income backgrounds, immigrant workers, who are being taken through this really harsh gauntlet uh, of eligibility requirements and fines and fees, and uh, and then not being given the support um, of, of of you know a safety net if should they fall into poverty. So we think that's, you know, this is an issue that, that concerns us very much. You know, we're happy that there is a path to citizenship, but we think that we need to look at the entire picture, that we don't want um, a path to citizenship that leads to uh, second-class citizenry yeah. for 11 million people. Right, so, and, and under this bill, immigrant pregnant women and children would be denied uh, supports they need to stay healthy. This is some of the safety net um, stuff that you were referring to. And what about uh, some of what the conservative senators are likely to propose, and who knows what's going to come out of the House? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, the amendments were filed uh, yesterday, and we're still, uh, you know, we're still, you know, they're, they're, they're flowing through as we speak, and we're still analyzing them. And, um, you know, there are some, there are some harsh ones there. Uh, there, you know, there's an amendment by Senator Rand Paul that would uh, basically eliminate um, the safety net programs, not only for these people who are being legalized, but for all sorts of, uh, of immigrants, even mm. those who are here legally and even those who are uh, refugees and asylees. So uh, we think, uh, you know, we're very concerned about that. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said before, it's not just about giving people status, it's giving people an opportunity to succeed. And yeah. uh, we don't want to just give people a work permit and then expect that everything will, will work from there. Uh, you know, this is about what society looks like over the next decade or two, and we want to make sure that that's consistent with with our with our values. So, uh, to answer your question, there there are tons of proposals that are being made. I think some of them are you know genuine attempts to improve the bill, to tweak some of the requirements. Let's remember this is a bipartisanly you know bipartisan crafted bill uh, that was put together by four four Republicans and four Democrats. Uh, so there'll be attempts to tweak it. But there will be attempts like that disamendment that I just referenced by Rand Paul that are just plain attempts to, you know, to, 
to just torpedo the process. Right, right. And as your executive director says in her statement, quote, instead of needlessly spending $1.5 billion on the border fence, senators should consider investing that money to keep 586,000 aspiring citizen children nourished and healthy. And I I think that statement says quite a lot. Well, um, uh, Kamal, we've had you on before. You'll be back as uh, this this whole process unfolds, but we appreciate you taking time to join us today. Thank you. Thank you. We are going to take a brief station break. And coming up, um, Gabby Pacheco, one of the leaders of the Dreamers movement, we spoke with her earlier this morning as she was actually in on the Hill in the House of Representatives. And uh, also Antonio Gonzalez and Isabel Garcia will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Southern California, this is Tom Hartman coming to you with the Tom Hartman Program, Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock here on KPFK. I hope you can join me for a progressive radio show that brings you a side of the news you won't find pretty much anywhere else. Special guests who bring you the inside stories, commentaries on the things that matter, and much, much more. Uprising is taking a break while Sonali is on maternity leave, so I'm here every weekday morning at 8. Hope you will be, too. The Tom Hartman Program, Monday through Friday morning at 8 o'clock on Southern California's Pacifica Radio, KPFK. This is Danny Glover, and you know what I do when I'm in Los Angeles? I listen to Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. And you know what's so powerful about her? She's insightful and fearless. And so you check out Sojourner Truth on Tuesday through Friday, 7 to 8 a.m. on Pacifica, KPFK, radio powered by the people. And that music is Something Goes Right. The artist is Subtract. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio's KPFK, 90.7 FM in Southern California, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara. If you've missed any part of this hour, you can go to kpfk.org, scroll down to archives, click on Sojourner Truth. You'll be able to hear the show in its entirety. You could also go to our website at sotrueradio.org right after the show. It's posted. And also, if you like and friend us on Facebook, look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott, you'll be able to hear the show in its entirety there. And we are spending the hour discussing immigration reform with a vote of 82 to 15. The U.S. Senate on Tuesday voted to begin debate on immigration reform. The bill they're considering is the work of the bipartisan group, the so-named Gang of Eight in the U.S. Senate. Earlier uh, this morning, we did uh, spoke to Gabby Pacheco, an immigrant's rights leader. She is one of the key dreamers who participated in that long uh, march across the country. She's also director of the Bridge Project, a group dedicated to monitoring and exposing extreme conservative rhetoric and policies against immigration reform. She was on the Hill, so you're going to hear some background noise. So please turn up uh, your dial on the radio so we could hear everything that Gabi Pacheco had to say earlier today. Gabi Pacheco, uh, President Obama, in talking about the bill, the immigration bill now in the Senate, uh, gave quite a bit of credit to the Dreamers. And there's no doubt that the movement of Dreamers have had a huge impact in the fact that immigration reform is being discussed at all. Uh, Having said that, what's your response to the bill now in the Senate? Well, the bill in the Senate, um, I think it's one of the most uh, comprehensive bills that we've been able to see since 2007. And it's definitely a bill that has um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and right now is in the process of being amended. Yesterday it cleared with 82 votes, which was tremendous that it actually cleared with so many votes. Um, you know, two of the, the major uh, decisions or votes that needed in order for this bill to continue. Um, we're still hoping that the House has a version that includes better things than the Senate. And so when they have, they go to conference, we could have a comprehensive bill that not only legalizes the 11 million, but recognizes the need for a new immigration system in this country. Right. Now, certainly on the House side, dominated quite a bit uh, by conservatives. 
Um, why do you think that you would get some, uh, you know, better provisions on the House side? Well, they're going to be looking at a bill in a different kind of scope of eye. Um, the House is going to think about costs. They're going to be thinking about, um, you know, all the border security. And, and the reality that all of that is going to cost the taxpayer dollars. Um, and also because you have a different sense. We've talked to people like uh, Raul Labrador, Congressman Labrador, who is an immigration attorney and has been able to have a good understanding of the immigration law and um, says that the three- and ten-year bar are actually um, obstructions to the immigration system and really dislikes the three- and ten-year bar and would like to do away with it. If we were to do away with the three- and ten-year bar, right now we could have three million people that could be able to adjust. Um, And so these are like kind of the tricky things that are presented. Um, And I think that, you know, we never talked about it in the Senate, but it would be there in um, the House. Right, and you you mentioned the most that it is the most comprehensive uh, bill in recent history, and that it contains the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so you've told us some of the good. Uh, what what's in the bill that you don't like? Well, in the bill right now, um, it's three different tiers. Um, the first tier is what legalization and the path to citizenship for the eleven million people, um, and then after that, you have uh, what is the modernization of the system, and it's a new point system for people who want to come into the country um, in the future. And then the last component is what's the border security, uh, and it's all the internal um, stuff that that kind of that's the kind of the scary part um, because of the cost and how much money they're injecting into the border. Um, and then also just the, the security component of it, of how they're going to do with workers, be verified, um, and other things like that. Right. So uh, you clump those together with the, with the bad and the ugly, right? That's right. Clearly a lot of politics happening with this uh, bill proposed by the bipartisan Gang of Eight. Um, there has been a lot of concern that the path to citizenship will be challenged on the House side and even on the Senate side. I, I, I know you're in a public place, so that's why we're hearing that background noise. But um, I, I wanted your view that the, on the Republican side, certainly there is an interest in seeing to do something about immigration Uh, because clearly people are after the Latino vote, Latino-Hispanic vote. Do you think that a bill, any bill, even if it doesn't include a path to citizenship, is better than nothing at all? Or uh, could it come to a point where you would not support uh, the legislation that Congress is discussing right now? So I think there's two things, right? I think that um, here in the House of Representatives, um, you have had Republicans that, although they've been bad on other issues, on this issue of immigration, there's actually been um, really good. Um, and why I say that is because you have people like Paul Ryan, who um, actually has been uh, a person that has spoken in favor of immigration um, even before his um, run for, for vice president. Um, and then the other thing that um, you mentioned, right, the the, the process. Um, you know, for too long we've politicized this. For too long, um, this has been a wedge issue in the community. And so, you know, the elections was really um, something that was able to bring it to the forefront, but also how we started, right? It was dreamers. It was people putting a face to the issue and, um, you know, really hitting hard to the to the, uh, the heart of America and Americans who um, have realized that all the lies and all the things that have been told about immigrants um, are not true. And, and now they're saying, wait a minute, you know, a path to citizenship is important. Now, if you were to talk to, you know, people like my mother, um, who's been here 20 years, who uh, has two, um, the, the two um, parents are sick um, and they're elderly and she, she wants to see them and, you know, cries because she hasn't been able to see her family um, you know that um, she would tell you, I I will take anything um, that gives me the ability to work, and that gives me the ability to drive, that gives me the ability to uh, visit my family, um, but be able to stay in this country um, and have it legally. 
But the problem with not having citizenship is that you create a second class of people. Um, and while people don't realize the importance of citizenship right now, they eventually realize it when um, they want to vote, when they want to not be deported, because being a legal permanent resident still makes you deportable. Yeah, and also the, the uh, an issue having to do with the cost of becoming, you know, that path to legalization and how long it takes, having to wait 13 years before one could even uh, start to apply uh, for the process. Are these some aspects of the legislation that uh, people who are part of the Dreamers movement will be working to improve or remove in, in some way? Or ha- are you give at this point, do you think it's just a given? Yeah, I think we're all kind of working on different components and different parts of the legislation to make it better. Um, there is a movement of people that are working uh, with the senators to ensure that the cost and um, what we call triggers are not things that prevent people from being able to take that eventual path of citizenship um, and doesn't even lingering um, halfway through the point and, and listen them in a limbo situation where they're actually um, not better off than when they were. Right, and I imagine among the the dreamers themselves, those who define themselves as dreamers who have been active um, and coming out as dreamers, that likely there's not a uniform view or uniform position on this. Um, What is the kind of discussion, if you could, I know there are only a few minutes left, that you could tell us going on among the dreamers themselves about this? Well, I I think that, you know, there's some dreamers that understand and see that big compromises have to be made um, and people that realize and see, well, there, there's so much border, um, money is being injected to the border, and there's a militarization that's happening in the border. Um, and people see it as a new way of making money, right, where now um, there's not an active, quote-unquote, war. Um, and so there's somehow some of these defense um, industries have to make money. And so people see that and they're completely against it. Others say, well, that's just part of, you know, the evil that we have to deal with in order to get this immigration reform done. Right. Well, uh, Gabby Pacheco, um, a prominent person in the Dreamers movement, for people who want to get in touch with you, I see you're, you're the leader and director of the Bridge Project a group dedicated to monitoring and exposing extreme conservative rhetoric and policies against immigration reform. What should people do? Well, they could follow me on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. the, yesterday, the president said, three tier senators sort of have become an amazing tool. And my Twitter handle is at Gabby Pacheco one and that's G-A-B-Y-P-A-C-H-U-C-L-1 um, on Twitter. Okay, well, on that note, Gabby Pacheco, you are on the Hill right now, I understand. Yes, I am. I'm going to security right about now. (laughs) Okay, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. All right. And that was our earlier uh, interview this morning with uh, Gabby uh, Pacheco. And we are spending the hour discussing immigration, immigration reform as the Senate uh, opened debate on the bill put forward by the so named Gang of Eight, the bipartisan Gang of Eight. What I'd like to do now um, is to go to another clip from President Obama speaking yesterday. Now, this bill isn't perfect. It's a compromise. And going forward, nobody's going to get everything that they want. Not Democrats, not Republicans, not me. But this is a bill that's largely consistent with the principles that I and the people on this stage have laid out for common sense reform. First of all, if passed, this bill would be the biggest commitment to border security in our nation's history. It would put another $6.5 billion on top of what we're already spending towards stronger, smarter security along our borders. It would increase criminal penalties against smugglers and traffickers. It would finally give every employer a reliable way to check that every person they're hiring is here legally and would hold employers more accountable if they knowingly hire undocumented workers. So it strengthens border security, but also enforcement within our borders. 
And that was President Obama speaking on Tuesday in support of the bill that is being considered now in the Senate. And we have two guests on the line with us. First, I'd like to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Isabel Garcia. Isabel, glad to have you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Isabel Garcia, co-chair of the Coalición de Derechos Humanos, a grassroots organization based in Tucson, Arizona, that promotes respect for human and civil rights and combats militarization of the border region. She has been at the forefront of immigrant and refugee rights since the mid-1970s. So very glad to have you there, Isabel. Also on the line with us, I'd like to welcome Antonio Gonzalez. Antonio, thank you for joining us. Hi, Mark. Good morning. Good morning, Antonio Gonzalez, president of the William C. Velasquez Institute, which was founded in 1985. It's a national Latino public policy and research organization. He also is the host of Strategy Session right here on the KPFK Airwaves and can be heard every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. That's every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. Antonio Gonzalez. Okay, so Isabel, we're going to start with you. That last clip. Uh, You heard President Obama talking about the tightening up of the the border. That's part of this so-named Gang of Eight um, bill, immigration bill. Your response to the legislation? Yes, it was sort of painful to hear because, uh, of course, I know that's exactly what's in the legislation. Over six billion additional dollars to be poured into militarization of our border um, efforts that, uh, you know, have, have really caused nothing but suffering and death along the border has uh, served as the engine for uh, militarization, criminalization, and enforcement techniques that are now, you know, rampant across the country. Uh, it's really, it's really uh, outrageous, I have to say, that we are in this country at this point that that is called a compromise, uh, where we have this alleged path to citizenship that is filled with landmines. I mean, that, that is very clear. Rubio and all of them have made it very clear that this is not an amnesty, that they don't intend for all 11 million people to be able to, to, to surface and, and, and join us as regular uh, you know, human beings in this country, but to add $6.5 billion additional to the $18 billion that they already have in the budget, that is more money than all of our enforcement agencies added together. And for what? Here we have 4,200 agents in the Tucson sector. They're tripping over themselves. The border has been sealed uh, in areas where people used to cross for the past 100 years. People are dying in greater numbers, even though the number of people crossing has plummeted, more and more people are dying relative to that number. So it really is uh, a very sad point in, in our country that that is termed a, um, you know, some kind of compromise where racial profiling will not only be uh, okay in the state of Arizona with SB 1070, but it's going to be okay across the country, including and especially at the employment sites. Now we're not only going to have enforcement along the border and with the police officers becoming immigration agents, but now even at our employment sites, we will have enforcement based on racial profiling. Make no mistake, this is all about racial profiling, where we're being targeted, and with nothing being talked about at all about solving this problem, never talking at all about what caused you know, over 6 million people from Mexico to, to flee uh, Mexico since the mid-1990s, uh, you know, namely neoliberal trade policies. Yeah. In fact, we're going to engage in more. Right. And um, thank you for that, Isabel. Antonio Gonzalez, president of the William C. Velasquez Institute and host right here on KPFK, getting your reaction to this because clearly a lot of politics going on. I mean, no doubt that a strong grassroots movement um, um, really led the way for this being discussed 
at all. But on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, there is a political cost here or a cost that they're hoping to cash in on in terms of the Latino um, Hispanic vote and your reaction to all of this and, and to the bill. Well, Margaret, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I got to tell you that uh, I agreed with everything that Isabel Garcia said. It's so bittersweet for me to watch uh, the, these uh, proceedings on on TV because, at at one level, at the thirty thousand foot level, um, the country has changed in terms of public opinion from uh, being anti-immigrant to now wanting to find a way to incorporate undocumented into our society. So at that level, you know, you got to applaud the movement and applaud all the hard work that's gone on by Isabel and, and the thousands of other groups to really shift public opinion in a positive direction. And I think that's undeniable. So there's a pivot that's happened in America, but it's not being reflected in Congress. It's, it is, it's frightening to me to see this so-called immigration reform bill that, you know, the, the less informed are cheering for it in, in, in our community and, abroad, and and others because, well, something's finally getting done. But what's getting done is going to worsen the problem. And, uh, you know, there, we don't have a security problem on the southern border uh, with Mexico. What we have is the military-industrial complex uh, redeploying their resources from the Middle East from the sequester, all of a sudden they're looking at more and more money being spent on the border exactly to do the kinds of things that they've done abroad, but this time on our border. And it's, and it's a straight special interest feeding frenzy going through uh, the Republican Party. That's the one you would expect, but also sectors of the Democratic Party uh, to uh, spend billions and billions, drones and walls and guards. For what? So this, this, it drives me crazy, Margaret, to see this as the selling point from the immigration bill. But one has to also mention, because people will say out there, well, at least we're legalizing the 11 million. That's the, the Faustian swap that's going on. And in fact, that's not true either. They have made this uh, legalization program the legalization program that doesn't legalize anyone. The exclusions. And the notion that you have to stay a low-wage worker, what low-wage worker in America is continuously employed for 10 years at 125% of poverty? The answer is no one. No one meets that standard. So people have these hopes that we're going to pass this bill and deportations are going to end. Wrong. We're going to pass this bill and people are going to be criminalized that don't meet the legalization standard and we'll have more deportations you know, 20, 30% are going to make it through a legalization of the 11 million. But what we're creating is a modern day system of indentured servitude. And it's just so bittersweet to me. Of course, we're doing everything we can to, uh, uh, to if this bill stands as it is, we're opposed to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously we try to fix these, fix these uh, downsides, but, but it, it's, it's in the way they've got this system rigged, the bill is only getting worse. And so it's a tough situation. Yeah. And uh, Isabel uh, Garcia, I wondered if you wanted to comment on uh, Antonio's um, points there. But also, it it does seem ironic that you have conservatives um, like Marco Rubio, um, Cuban-American descent conservative out of Florida, and Senator Rand Paul, who has said that he thinks it's okay for businesses not to serve people because of the color of their skin, basically. He, He tried to peddle back on that one, but he is on record, you know, supporting that, being seen as leaders in immigration reform. Um, Isabel Garcia. Yes, I I really, um, it's actually sort of painful that those are our leadership at this point. Um, I totally agree with what Antonio has stated. Uh, The creation of this military, uh, prison building, industrial complex is so real and and people have no idea. I mean, we, we talk about not having money for schools. We just closed 11 schools. Chicago's closed, what, 50. And we're closing schools everywhere. Our bridges are falling apart, allegedly because we have no money. And we're 
giving another $6.5 billion uh, for these kind of efforts that really uh, don't benefit us as a country. And as Antonio stated, there is no security issue at the border. The border towns are the safest towns in the entire country. That has been borne out by every single study. What we have created, of course, is a security issue and, and, and a crisis uh, south of the border. I mean, we have a crazy drug war uh, that has claimed, you know, a thousand, a hundred thousand lives uh, in Mexico because we are so addicted to drugs. And rather than dealing with drug addiction as a medical uh, prevention education issue, we continue to be in the 19th century mentality that, you know, we've got to just criminalize it and criminalize it some more. We are handing over here in Tucson, Arizona, billions of dollars to CCA, the Corrections Corporation of America, to make billions in profits. Uh, we criminalize 70 people in one hour. Imagine, I'm a criminal defense attorney. We criminalize people from an initial appearance all the way through to a sentencing to a private prison in a matter of one hour. Seventy people, men and women, chained, and in one hour we criminalize them. And they want to triple that to 210 people per day. Hmm. I mean, we need to wake up and ask, what are we doing? Yeah, and um, the United States has spent $18 billion in 2012 alone on border security. Between 2007 and 2011, the United States hired 17,000 uh, border guards, just underscoring what, what you're saying. Um, we literally just have a, a couple of minutes here. Antonio uh, Gonzalez, uh, back to you. Earlier in the hour, we spoke with Alfredo uh, Gutierrez, um, who, um, you know, served in, in the legislature and in Arizona, and he has a a book uh, that's coming out where he talks about some of these issues. And uh, Isabel mentioned racial profiling earlier, and one of the points um, that Alfredo made is that Madison Grant's work, The Passing of the Great Race, published way back in 1916, a precursor to the eugenics movement, that some of this still is in the backdrop, you know, of of uh, you know what's happening now in terms of immigration reform, and also the specter of um, people of color um, becoming the majority um, in the United States in the not-too-distant future. Some final thoughts from you, Antonio Gonzalez. Well, I'm going to surprise you uh, and uh, by letting you know that I think you know immigration reform really should be a conservative issue. When you really think about it, it is uh, people coming from uh, the different parts of the world to uh, uh, to America, the you know, number one imperial power in the world, to ex- and embracing American values, which, from my point of view, uh, have a I've always had a very healthy tinge of dominant well, European domination uh, and, and and so forth. So it's something that Republicans should love. It's something that conservatives should love. People coming to embrace, quote-unquote, our way, uh, our worldview, want to be part of the, of the American way. But, to your point, since they're black, brown, and yellow, the, the dominant, uh, you know, Euro-centric American uh, uh, worldview can't bring, it, uh, can't bring themselves to accept the incorporation of these peoples of color who want to be part of the imperial uh, 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 hegemonic state. It's a great irony. It should be Republicans that love uh, these immigrants that want to come and uh, embrace uh, their worldview. But because they're not white, there's a sector of both parties, let's be honest, of both parties that says, well, you know, they're really not going to embrace. We don't trust that they're going to embrace the uh, you know a uh, uh, Euro-American worldview, hence this this uh, at bottom uh, the, in their view conflict of cultures uh, uh, read uh, uh, read they're going to take over America and of course it's not true but that's the conflict that they find themselves within it should be their issue if you really look at it right yeah but because they're people of color from the developing world. They can't bring themselves to embrace it. Right. And Isabel Garcia, I'm afraid we literally are out of time. But for people who want to get in touch with your organization, what should they do? We've got about 30 seconds if you've got a quick comment as well. Yes. Well, 
Well, Jeff, thank you very much for engaging in this dialogue. We need this dialogue across the country. Uh, one dialogue that's not been had in this country, neither by Democrats or Republicans. And so I urge you to do so. Uh, DerechosHumanosAZ.net is uh, where we are, and uh, we will continue. We will continue to fight this militarization uh, of our community. Yeah, and of course, Antonio Gonzalez can be heard uh, every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. on KPFK 90.7 FM. Antonio Gonzalez, Isabel Garcia, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you, Barbara. All righty. Um, so uh, sorry, we are going to have to leave it there. Today's show produced by Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank all of the guests on today and to the Sojourner Truth team. I'd like to thank um, uh, Michelle Lavner with Sojourner Youth, who's our music editor of our engineer, Federico Garcia, assistant producer, Kevin Walker. We'd like to welcome uh, Chelsea Harrison, a new intern with us. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230. We are going to be marking um, the assassination of Medgar Evers um, on our Juneteenth show. So listen up for that today, of course, marks that anniversary. Stay tuned um, for a special edition of Uprising Sojourner Truth. We'll be back on the air tomorrow morning. Thank you so very much for listening. I'm Bernard Duncan, General Manager, KPFK. I want to thank you for your amazing response to our spring into summer fun drive. You make it clear once again just how much you value KPFK and are committed to this station. We reached our goal and we have you, our listener sponsors, to thank for that.